Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing! Hi, I'm Mary Kay. And I'm Louise. And together we are Novel Gazing, the podcast that talks literary fiction. We are recording today's show on the 26th of May, and on today's show, we're discussing current affairs in the literary world um, and news from the literary fiction world, and uh, we have a really special interview with Sarah Gubbins, the screenwriter of Shirley, which is, yeah, I'm really excited. Um, We, uh, she adapted it, she adapted the screenplay, excuse me. From the novel by Susan Scarf Merrill, and the film stars our national treasure, Elizabeth Moss. Oh, hey. Oh, and oh, hey. I know. Oh, I love God. her. <laughs> and it uh, it releases June 5th. So if you're listening to the interview, you have like one or two days to mull over it, and then you can go see it. I mean, and by go see it, I mean rent it on demand <laughs> because that's where we are still living in the world. Um, but it is an awesome watch. Like, I think. It's very, it's, it's very fascinating. So um, that'll be the meat of the episode. And then uh, we'll share our current reads Mm -hmm. at the end. And if you like what you hear, and we hope that you do, uh, please feel free to rate or review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, because that helps other people find us. It does. Thank you very much. Yeah. And uh, before we do all of that, we want to hear from one of our sponsors. Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing. All right, let's do, uh, let's open it with news and current affairs. So what has been on your mind this week then? Okay, so I feel like for the past uh, pandemic era, (laughs) we've had mostly think pieces, Mm -hmm. which is not a problem or anything like that. I was just you know, we have news from the world that has been overshadowing other concerns that we have or other, you know, interests that we have. And we can care about a lot of things at the same time. So I tried to find something that was like uh, a thing that happened, you know, like yeah, something that. that's happening. Um, and I came across this really cool event, a virtual event slash initiative called Hashtag fright girl summer so it's a play on hot girl summer from last year Uh, but it's fright girl summer and 
essentially V. Castro, the horror author, started this initiative slash book virtual book festival to help publicize horror books written by women and published during the pandemic, mm-hmm. which uh, sucks. <laughs> so it's basically another way um, to get the word out about those. And I think it looks really cool. And I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Um, it's it's just FrightGirlSummer.com. And um, I found it on Twitter. So And they also are doing like a call for, um, I don't, it's not really a call for some submissions, although that is part of it, but it's, uh, I'll just read it. Um, it says horror publishers and women in horror. Do you have a summer release? I know it's not an easy time to launch a book, but I'd love to feature you on hashtag fright girl summer and looking for indie publishers to submit their profiles as a resource for readers and writers. So I thought that was a really cool initiative and I think it is going to be a really cool series of opportunities for people who have published horror books during the pandemic, like me. <laughs> so um, uh, I'm excited to see about it and hopefully to become a part of it as well. So that's the thing that I came up uh, came up with. I found for my news, my, my current events, was that uh, that virtual... Uh, book convention was happening. That and sounds so I'm great. I'm excited about it. it. It really is nice to see people kind of noticing that everything is the worst, kind of. I mean, <laughs> it could be a lot worse than it is, mm. but, you know, we can care about more than one thing at the time. And bringing other people with so, you, like, for the journey. I think if you're totally. trying to make things better, it's not making it better just for yourself. It's making it better for your community and the people you write and your books are shelved um, on the shelf with. I think that's really cool. Right. And I think that's really cool too. And I've even noticed as, I mean, uh, some of our listeners might already know this, but I write the fright stuff for book riot Mm -hmm. and uh, the news section is mostly think pieces. Like it's some things that are still uh, releasing, but you know, the, the current affairs of the world that we live in are definitely overshadowing as they should, literally everything else. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's just I was really happy to learn about that convention. But yeah, good job yeah. okay, so let's let's think some. What? Are, what are, yeah, no, I was. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> I was a bit like, well, I get her point about the think pieces, but here's a think piece. Oh yeah, and I think that there, again, there's nothing like bad or wrong with them, and mm. we love them. But I just was like. I mean, we mentioned on our last episode that we have been doing them or talking about them a lot. So I was like, let me yeah. try to do something a little different. So I think I the balancing of like the practical with the, the thinky sort of things is a really good way to do it. Yeah. And I mean, of course, our audience, I'm sure, is full of thinkers because, you know, they're readers and they like literary fiction. So, so yeah. We'll go for that. All right. Okay. So um, <laughs> I was planning for... Um, a class that eventually didn't go ahead but then I thought well maybe I'll turn mm. it online in some way so I was thinking all right let's just get the resources together and I came mm. across uh, a really interesting piece which was called we are all fluxus artists now Natalie Harron on making the most of mundane tasks and I thought like this is an interesting one we could sneak into uh, the show <laughs> because yeah. uh fluxus so for those of you who don't know Fluxus was a big sort of 60s, 70s group of poets, artists, writers, composers. 
And they basically got together and they did stuff, sort of performances, event-making art. They were people who valued the process of making and doing rather than the final produced thing. Cool. All right. So this piece Mm -hmm. talks about how thinking like a Fluxus artist, thinking like a Fluxus writer can help us deal with current affairs. And it ties into what you're saying about having these... um, practical actions and these doings and the things that you can sort of take and help to uh control your own destiny in a way that's cool Mm. yeah i was reading your article and i was like that's a i i hadn't heard of it and then they mentioned that yoko ono was like the most famous member Mm. and i was like oh because i'm somewhat familiar with some of her art and so that makes sense it's like yeah it's not it's not necessarily a performance but it is like the process of it that uh, that I that when you said that I was like oh yeah that makes total sense mm. that that is the case so yeah I didn't mean to interrupt you I was just excited no 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 it's cool <laughs> I, I'm always here for a Yoko Ono interruption I think <laughs> uh, but yeah so the thing is what that she's saying is um, Flux has had these kind of instructions that they'd give people and like these diagrams and say oh I don't know um, let's make one up. Uh, Every hour of the day, have a cup of tea and reflect how that feels. That is like the most British version of Fluxus I've ever invented. <laughs> <laughs> that's awful. Um, but yeah, that sort of vibe where it's um, just reflecting on the process of being and existing. So I was thinking, as you as you pointed out, it is all think pieces at the moment, right? People are trying to wonder what are the stories that are going to be told mm-hmm. and the narratives that are going to be shaped from this experience because it's so definitive for so many of us and it's so big and so dominant in so many ways what are the stories that we're going to be reading in a year or two and how will they reflect this moment in our lives that's a good question answer it in three words or less oh no i can't i can't do it i'll be like just no (laughs) Do you have a three words or less? Answer? I do not, which is why I I ask you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's 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 um the thing you have to do. If you if you're not sure, you go. Hmm, that's a really interesting point. What do you think? Yes. <laughs> and you buy yourself exactly. a couple of moments to kind of go. I need to think of something. Oh yeah, I did that all the time when I was teaching. It's yeah, it's a very useful tip. It's my top tip if you're listening and want to um, buy yourself a few moments if you're asked a mm-hmm. question. Just go. That's a really interesting point. I yes, and another trick. Just while we're while I'm piling on, um, whenever you make a mistake and they point out a mistake, you have to say that was a test and you passed. <laughs> and then do you just back out of the room slowly while staring mm-hmm. I just at them? Moon walked away. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. I like this. <laughs> All right, so as well related to the Fluxus stuff, I came across um, a really interesting poem, which I've shared with Mary Kay in advance, obviously. And it's it's about the stories that are in the domestic world that we have and how they've been translated and how they've moved um, forward from that. So I thought if we could all cope with it, and I totally understand it if you can't, then you're welcome to skip about a minute or so ahead. But if you can cope with a bit of poetry, shall we go for it and have a reading? I would love that. And this is the one to read aloud, too. It's such a good one. Yeah. So this is... It's pretty cinematic. This was the... um, It was posted by an author on Twitter first. And it's the first lines of emails I've received while quarantining. 
and it's by a lady called Jessica Salfia. That's S-A-L-F-I-A. And here it goes. In these uncertain times as we navigate the new normal, are you willing to share your ideas and solutions? As you know, many people are struggling. I know you're up against it, the digital landscape. We share your concerns. As you know, many people are struggling. We hope this note finds you and your family safe. We've never seen anything like this before. Here are 25 distance learning tips. As you know, many people are struggling. Feeling fiesta today? Happy Taco Tuesday. Calories don't count during a pandemic. <laughs> Groceries report flour shortages as more people are baking than ever. As you know, many people are struggling. Count your blessings, share your blessings, get free curbside pickup or ship to your house. Chicken, lemon, artichokes. As you know, many people are struggling. How are you inspiring greatness today? We have a cure for your cabin fever. Pandemic dial in town hall tonight. As you know, many people are struggling. Mother's Day looks a little different this year. You're invited to shop all jeans for 50% off. Yes, buy one, get one free. As you know, many people are struggling. Call us to discuss a loan extension without penalty. Act now. Tell Congress charters should not line their pockets during the COVID crisis. Now shipping face masks is recommended by the CDC. As you know, many people are struggling. This is not normal. Beautiful. Oh. Love it. I just thought so when good. we read it, like, it is so good. And she deserves that poem just sending out to the world and being heard every single place. I thought it was brilliant. It's it's so well done that it is both funny and n- not at yeah. all funny. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. I loved that. No, it was fun. I thought, you know, it's... It's a poem that says a lot, I think, about where we're all at and ties into a lot of the things I think that we want to talk about here as well. So, yeah, thank you for letting me share it. Yeah, of course. And now a word for our sponsors. As you all know and have been waiting with bated breath for, um, this is the interview that we have with Sarah Gubbins, the screenwriter of Shirley which she adapted from the novel by Susan Scarf Merrill. And um, just a reminder, this movie releases for video on demand June 5th. So very shortly, and I hope you enjoy. I was so excited to get to talk to you, or get to hear you rather, about um, the movie Shirley and adapting it Mm -hmm. from the book. And I wanted to say up front that I'm going to do my best to be as quiet as I can during this and let you talk, but I get so excited. So I just, I'm going to do my best for that, but um, I'm really excited, like I said. Um, And I wanted to just start off by asking if you have a favorite Shirley Jackson novel or story or piece of writing. Oh, you know, uh, I, I, I don't have a favorite. Um, I love Hangs a Man. Um, I, I really enjoy rereading We Have Always Lived in This Castle, in the castle. Um, 
And in terms of short stories, I mean, once I feel like the lottery has to just live alone in the lot in the land of the lottery, but <laughs> I really love this short story of hers called Louisa, please come home. Um, I think it's, it's one of those quintessential Shirley Jackson stories. And she so often writes from the perspective of a kind of flawed female protagonist mm-hmm. um, who's a little um, maybe, uh, what's a good way to say it? Like, you know, a little, a little too sure of herself, a little um, inclined to vanity and maybe pettiness, but uh, in the end, garners your sympathy and of course and I, I i really i think in that short story um kind of really illustrates that yeah um I, i've noticed that too about a lot of her uh, writings is that they're they're in the movie she talks about them being lost girls and so Mm -hmm. many of her protagonists are like, and I love that you said that they were like a little overconfident. Like the first thing that came to my mind was Mary cat uh, poisoning. Oh yeah. Because they sent her to bed without dinner. Um, But yeah, uh, that's, that's so interesting. And I love also how in the movie, she kind of seems like one of those girls, except for she's grown. So I loved that. And um, I was curious as well to know, um, the project kind of sounds like based on just some of your other interviews that I listened to that it kind of started with you. Um, mm-hmm. so like, what was the genesis of like, how did it start? How did you start? How did you approach such an amazing, like <clears throat> epic undertaking? Yeah. I mean, why would you do this? Um, cause it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> cause uh, I mean, we love it. Um, you know, I, it was actually the brainchild of, um, uh, uh, one of the other producers, Sue Nagel. Um, Sue and I had a meeting. Um, I had just moved to Los Angeles from Chicago and I really wanted to work with her on something. And we were reading a couple of other books and just trying to look at, uh, you know, we were looking for something to adapt. And mm-hmm. um, part of that discussion was talking about um, our favorite authors and, and, um, and Shirley Jackson came up. And then I, um, a friend of mine gave me uh, an early manuscript of Susan Merrill's book, Shirley. Mm-hmm. And it all just came together after that. Because we had, I, I just loved the idea that what, what Susan did in that book. She allowed us to kind of walk into Shirley's life and yeah. walk in with all of these kind of preconceived notions of, first of all, you know, what a writer might be like and <laughs> totally. what, what a writer like Shirley Jackson might be like. Right. And, um, and, um, and, and I think, I think then it, 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 it gave a really, like, it was just a wonderful jumping off point to be able to, you know, get to know a version of Shirley mm-hmm. that, that has a lot of the qualities that, that some of her heroines possess, but in really unexpected ways, you know? And I, I, I think that, um, having that and then, and then ultimately to kind of, um, I think for my, for my end to be able to kind of fantasize about what it might be like (laughs) to then 
form of friendship with somebody like Shirley and yeah, but particularly with Shirley and be affected by her and affect her and, and truly come to love her and, and feel loved in, by her. Um, what that might feel like. Um, so maybe it's a little aspirational, but you know, I mean, you're obviously a, a, a novel lover and a writer lover. And, you know, I, I think that it's probably a shared feeling about uh, among folks that, that are, are moved by literature and, you know, to, to be able to like pull back the curtain and actually feel um, and see and maybe experience for a little while the, the toll that writing can take in a very unexpected way mm -hmm. um, on, on the writer themselves. Um, you know, I, we were, we were talking at the top about what are my favorite Shirley's, you know, books and, and, and the idea that we're talking ab about writing that, you know, she wrote in 1951 in, in the middle of a pandemic in 2020 and how that can have such a, a resonating effect on us um, is a real gift, you know? Um, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I love that you describe her as a friend because um, she, as a character, just seems like such a hard win. But like once she's in your corner, there's <laughs> yeah. no getting rid of her. And I, no. I loved that that was the, because that's how I pictured someone like any of her protagonists being, you know, like mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. don't like you at all until they love you and they would do yep. anything for you. And that just seems very much like the the protagonist that you've portrayed in the in the film and um i also wanted to say that i was under the impression like not knowing anything about the film that it was going to be a biopic or bio i'm not very sure how to pronounce it biopic yeah. or biopic yeah and i'm the, so biopic, glad yeah. that it was okay good <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah yeah i'm so glad that it was it, it it seemed very true, but not in a way that made it dry at all. So, oh, good. Yeah, I know it was delightful. <laughs> good. Um, good. Yeah, well, you know how it is though when you're yes. trying to be yes. so honest that it you get all the facts and none of the the truth part of it. If that makes sense, but um, yeah, yeah. I I wondered as well if you had any concerns with um with writing or adapting like a quote unquote real person for the screen. Cause it sounds like, although it was adapted from a novel, you did a lot of outside mm -hmm. research as well. Which was yeah. 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 About. I mean, I, I think, yes, I think it's, it, it's, uh, it's a tricky wicket, you know, and it is daunting and it's, it's also, uh, you know, frankly, very audacious to, and presumptuous of me to, to try to, uh, <laughs> um, you know, uh, unearthed Shirley Jackson who probably would much prefer to be left alone and <laughs> and and yet also is somebody I would want to be at a dinner party with totally um, absolutely um, yes I want to sit by her and just listen it, <laughs> she might yeah. have her breath for sure yeah yeah and I would really like to eat her pie because I I, I it's been it's been much recorded that she was an amazing baker Interesting. Um, so what, what kinds uh, all of them Oh yeah. I think she, I mean, she had a great apple pie and mm. I mean, you know, so she, in addition to all of these, um, uh, you know, 
novels, she also had like, she was a humorist and she wrote about, you know, the domestic sphere and, and, and raising demons. It's just really, really funny. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that humorous side too was, was something that I, I really got to know through um, her correspondence with Stanley, um, which was at the Library of Congress. And, um, and just being able to hear her talk and she's so uh, like the opposite of polite, you know, oh, she's, she's, she's totally like, she's, she's really a cut up. And I, I, and, and kind of, I mean, I wouldn't never call her crass, but she's not precious and just has everybody's number and is a little misanthropic in some moments. And, um, and I, yeah, I see. So I, I did do a lot of research to kind of find that voice, but, but it, it, it's there, you know, um, I think she's also just like a really brutally honest person. Yes. Um, in many respects. Uh, I, which I thought it was I so funny. Love. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like a yeah. very macabre sort of, yeah. I'm yeah. doing it to entertain myself. I don't care if you laugh. Yes. Type of humor, which yes. I really like a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, whether or not you laugh is of no matter to me. I'm just trying to amuse myself to get right. through the board of I'm this. entertained. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I was actually going to ask you too about the letters in the, from the library of Congress. Um, <clears throat> And it's so interesting to me too that, I mean, I know I keep saying that, but it is all just fascinating to me, um, how writers, personal voices come through in their work or don't, Uh or like their personalities Uh do or not. And I was wondering if, um, you had any, uh, specific lines of letters or a mood or like a. I mean, I know you said about like the baking and the pies, but was there mm-hmm. anything that when you when you were reading those letters really jumped out to you as being like, oh yeah, I can work with that? Um, a lot of, I mean, a lot of it was I, I, I it, it obviously is a correspondence between Shirley and Stanley, and right, and they are so obviously in um, particular, they are so obviously in love with each other, and they obviously. Uh, they are also consternated by each other mm-hmm. that is that it, it, and and they are um they there's a i don't want to say performance because it sounds fake but it's it's they are they're constantly provoking each other okay um and and i think it's the thing that i loved and i really wanted to carry into the film was this ability to that they held each other at all times you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think there's a part of Shirley that would write and always kind of have that little Stanley on her shoulder, mm-hmm. like wanting to, that is both pushing her to do more and also probably making her cringe when, when she, she wasn't quite firing on all on all pistons when she wanted to be, you know. Right. So there's like Stanley the critic, but then Stanley the the audience that she's seeking to um, to kind of bemuse and impress and 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 and, and marvel, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that's I think it's a very complicated and um, but symbiotic in many ways mm-hmm. love story yeah. between them. 
Yeah, that's that. I feel like all of that uh, tension and the fraught nature of Mm -hmm. like they work so clearly in love. Otherwise, why would they put up with each other? But they needed Mm -hmm. each other, like just like you said, symbiotic. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, especially, and I'm I don't think this is a spoiler, but she cares so much about his opinion of her work. Yeah, and. Um, that's a really high pressure <laughs> situation for yes. both of them, really. Cause like, what yes. if he doesn't like it? You know? Yes. But he does, of yes. course, cause she's amazing, but, uh, or at least in the, in the film, but, um, well, but, she earns it. You know what I'm right. saying? Like at she the really beginning, made. he's saying, you know, Oh, sounds a little trite, uh, true crime. I'm, but I'll take a look. You know, he's not roused by the idea. He's not, mar- he's not like go forth and conquer right. that. And yet on the other hand, I think he, he does want her to get back to the desk and he does know that writing is good for her and it also brings in money. And, uh, you know, so there's, it's a complicated kind of, um, as, as I think most characters are. And there's something very Shakespearean about um, Stanley. I I find Mm -hmm. him the great or it, you know, he's, he's such a, he's got like Lear qualities, you know, I I don't know. He's just so, 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 um, performative in some way, you know, like he's, yes. he, he holds great space in a room, but he also holds big emotions, you know, and, totally. um, and, and is, uh, makes his mark every place he goes. And I, and I just, I thought that, that Michael in ways I couldn't even describe or understand, um, poured his guts into that character um yeah, it truly, and- truly was so such a compelling performance that like as soon as he walked on screen I was like I hate him <laughs> and I need him to like me like <laughs> so I totally get uh where Shirley might have come from in that but uh, like you were saying he does feel really Shakespearean because everything is so like I mean I'm not going to say this nearly as well because it's not my work of course but um it's very pronounced. Like he does go into like the little speech at, and not even speech, but like part of the monologue in the Scottish play at dinner and then mm-hmm. like stabs the bread with his knife. And I just yep. think that was such like an indicative uh, or something indicative of their love was like, it's like yes. a little weird and no one else will necessarily look at it. Like they were in love, yes. but if you yes. did it, you got it type of thing. Yes. So yes. yeah, I loved that. Um, I wanted to ask as well, because so much of that, like, uh, like you were saying, uh, their relationship and, um, a lot of what they're communicating to each other is subtextual. Like yeah. they, they are saying really profound things as well, but they're also saying a lot by not saying it. And I just wondered mm-hmm. if you had any advice for writers who want to be just like you when they grow up. Um, <laughs> for how, how you kind of, your writing process goes with that, with that sort of heavy, uh, dense, uh, it's mm. almost a repartee, right? It, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, I, I always, you know, it's going to sound very obvious, um, and maybe even slightly annoying, but, um, I, the only advice I know to give is is to read a lot mm-hmm. and um and that in you know Shirley was such a reader Stanley was such a reader um and I think that's a way to 
start filling up your tank and start at least having a, a relationship with language um, that can help express all the other stuff that is, you know, inarticulate. <laughs> so, right. so I always, I always think that it's, it's a great, great, great thing to constantly be reading widely um, and to be reading with a sense of curiosity. Um, and I think that's the thing that is the most consistent habit I have as a writer. I think that sounds great to me. I love reading. So I'm just going to keep doing that some more. <laughs> and I know we're coming up on time. So I just had uh, two small questions left. Um, mm -hmm. I just, the, and I'm not even sure that there's very much dialogue in this scene at all, but there's one part where Shirley tells Rose, um, I think it's in the same scene. I might've conflated it in my mind, but um I'm a witch, didn't they tell you? And then she reads yeah. the arrow cards. Um, yeah. I just. There is very little dialogue in that scene. Yes, but there's so much being said. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. I think that's kind of a quintessential, that's a quintessential Shirley Jackson maneuver, right? I mean, she's bemused by it and she loves to startle her, but it's also a statement of truth, you know? Right. They call me a witch. I might be a witch. I'm going to terrorize you with that notion. <laughs> right. I'm not going to help. I'm not going to, I'm not going to help you through this, you know? Right. Um, but on the other hand, I was, I'm, I, it comes from the, the, the whole action of it is she realizes that the, the night before she, she had, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an offer. It's a, it's an apology mm -hmm. to kind of being a little curt and, um, you know, slightly malicious with Rose the night before. And uh, so it's her form of apology would be to, uh, you know, find a spell or find a kind of a, a little bit of the occult, have the occult help, mm -hmm. um, you know, Rose to keep the baby. And I think, I think the, it's also kind of a quintessential Shirley Jackson moment because she, um, she's able to see and really deeply observe people, which mm -hmm. I think is indicative in Shirley's writing. She really sees a fear that Rose has of motherhood. And mm -hmm. um, in the apology is also ad is addressing that. Uh, so I think that's, that might be what's going on there. Oh, thank you for saying that. And just my very last short question because I know that we're coming right up on time is <laughs> for people who are not familiar with Shirley mm -hmm. Jackson's work mm -hmm. where do you think is a good place to begin well after they read the lottery of course um because <laughs> people will always talk about the lottery I love um I think it's it's a nice length um for beginners uh I think you should read we've always lived in the castle and then go right into Hang the Man. All right. Thank you all so much for listening to that interview. That was Sarah Gubbins, the screenwriter of Shirley, uh, which, again, was adapted from the novel by Susan Scarf Merrill, starring Elizabeth Moss, and it releases on June 5th. So uh, I can't wait to know what y'all think about the movie. Yeah. And, yeah, and please do, if you have extreme reactions to it, which... I think you will. Um, don't hesitate to get in touch through any yes, social media. Let us know. <laughs> My gosh.
Yeah. All right. So shall we wind up today with our current reads? I uh, would love that. What are you reading now? All right. So I am hitting myself up some Judith Butler. And she is a queer theorist, feminist, academic writer. Mm, some light reading. I, I know. <laughs> some gentle bedtime reading. <laughs> She's so great, though. Yeah. I was like, I need to just... I, I've read her before in many ways. And she's just so fascinating and so interesting and her work is so pivotal for like the areas that I want to be in and the areas that I want to look at I thought do you know what it's time to uh get a grip and pay out for an academic book which is quite Mm. the decision to make because academic books aren't cheap no they're not I know uh separate discussion as we all cry but I guess (gasps) oh it's yeah. yeah it's 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 a weird place I spent like um I bought two and it was a ridiculous Ooh. amount and I was thinking it's it's actually a bargain in mm. the in the world of academia of academia true I know so yeah. it pained me but it's a good book and it is really worthwhile getting uh for those of you who don't know it's basically she argues for the notion of gender being like an improvisation a performance an act and it's just really pivotal stuff and i so recommend it to you if this is something that you're interested in in the notion of identity figuring out who you are figuring out how that persona that performance is created and read by others it's it's a really important book she has another very famous title as well right yeah she's done a lot okay um, cause I do know her, but that's not the book that I've read of hers. I'm trying to remember which one it was, but it's okay. And I think it is very admirable of you that you are able to focus on academic theory at this moment in time. Oh yeah. It's, it's like a five minute read and then a good sit down and a stare into the abyss for like an of hour. Of course. That's how it works with those kinds (laughs) of books, for sure. But yeah, so what about yourself? What are you up to? So I'm reading Mostly Dead Things by That just sounds like the strangest title, the way you said that. I'm just reading Mostly Dead Things. (laughs) um, So it's by Kristen Arnett, and it takes place in a taxidermy shop in Florida. And it's... Uh, the setting alone is real fascinating, especially because it opens with this scene of uh, the father teaching this little girl uh, how to skin an animal that they're going to taxidermy. Right. And it's so gross, but it's so clinical as well that it's it's really fascinating. I'm only about maybe 70 pages in, but um, it's a novel and it is one of those where like, the thing that comes next logically happens after the thing that happened before it. Okay. So it's it moves along at a pretty nice clip. Um, but it's not uh, by any means like one of those... Like It's not really... I'd still say it's literary. But it, it is not a super dense read, if that makes sense. That's nice. Like You need that space, don't you, every now and then to just get into something... Yes, I was about halfway through the cultural history of tarot, and I was like, I, I can't, (laughs) I can't can't do any more research right now. I need to just just like, no, I'm not ready for this. Right, I'll go back to that. That's the thing too about nonfiction like that is that you can kind of come back to it and not really miss a whole lot of you know character or plot points or stuff like that. So exactly. Oh, that's good. 
yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot so far. Um, and if y'all are wondering, it has a flamingo on the front. So it's, it's fun. And it's very, uh, the imagery in it is so vivid. Like I can definitely picture like that's Florida for sure. Nice. Um, yeah. But, um, Louise, where can we find you online? All right. Yes. Yeah. So, um, thank you everyone for listening. And you can find me online at didyouoverstoptothink.com. And then I am on Twitter at ChaletFan. And I am on MaryKMcBrayer.com, but also on Twitter at MKMcBrayer and Instagram at MaryKMcBrayer. There so, is a good theme going on there with your Yes, sign-up. there is. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to our sponsors. Um, and we will talk to you again in a couple weeks. We will do that. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.